God can't bless who you pretend to be or who you compare yourself to. He can only bless you and the lane that was created for you. I feel that for somebody. You don't need no edge entity. You need boundaries. What? I don't need your likes. I don't need your validation. All I need is a God fighting for me that says all things, all things, all things. You guys are about to meet a woman who I truly look up to and admire. We're going to share this story about when we first met, but I want you to make sure that you have your pen and your paper on deck because there are some tools and resources that Charlotte Stallings has for you that you do not want to miss out on. If you are in corporate, if you want to be a public speaker, if you have aspirations for presenting yourself in the best possible way, no matter where you are, she's going to help you out tremendously. But not only that, she's also going to let you in on the fact that even though she has this incredible resume and impactful journey, that she's also had some moments where she had to grow and be vulnerable. I think that that is the definition of having it all. I can't wait for you to meet her. She's going to be your new best friend in your head. I just know it. Hello. Hello. How are you? Oh, I'm doing so good. How are you? I am doing so good, too. It's good to see you. I have not seen you since we were backstage at Michelle Obama's event. I know. And so I've just been honored throughout that you've reached out and your team has and just really for real honored. So thank you. Good, good, good to be here. Uh, thank you. I have been so moved by my opportunities to just be in your presence and to talk with you. And um, we had such a good time. So for, okay, I'm going to just fill everyone in who's listening. So uh, your sister got my mother and my sister and I tickets to go see Michelle Obama in Houston. And we had an opportunity to meet her as well. And we were all in the back room waiting on this opportunity to meet her and we were trying to talk about how cool we were going to play it (laughs) and how like we weren't going to be the people who we knew we could be when meeting Michelle Obama and you I think what you tell me you said to just breathe you said um take smell the roses and blow out the candle smell the roses (laughs) oh my god I did because I use it with my children I'm like all right Sarah just breathe here she comes she's in the room just breathe and I did fine Uh breathing I looked over and you were not breathing you were not breathing how is it that you were not breathing and you taught me what happened I know you know what I swear isn't it that is the case in life we're able to give insight and some guidance and then when it comes to us it just completely (laughs) flips because when she came around that corner and um I just thought man this is the embodiment of so much so I lost it and I, I was shaking like a leaf and I remember her hugging me and pulling me in. She could feel me shaking. And so I forgot that, that I even tried to give that bit of coaching. Smell the roses, <laughs> blow out the candle, smell the roses. My daughter had shared that with me. So, um, yeah, that was that was just one of those moments I'll never forget. To be fair, I think we were all kind of expecting for her to kind of just be kind of like dutiful and happy and shaking yeah. hands. Uh-huh. But she was giving us such homegirl vibes and like grab your phone, take a picture and hugging on us like we went to high school together. We weren't ready yeah. for that. We were prepared for I something different. Totally different. I, I did not expect that. It is it is one of those moments that I, I not just not forget, but I will embrace it. I remember the shaking like a leaf. I remember us being back there and having so much fun. So 
Um, she was not anything I expected. I, it, it just was so natural, so calm, so her, so present. And I really, really love that. So one of the things that I recognized immediately when we were backstage was just like how eloquent that you were in speaking. And so I should not have been surprised when I learned that one of the things that you do that you're passionate about is really teaching people how to be uh, better at public speaking and to really present themselves in a way that I think is the best representation of who they are in any room. And this series really is all about helping women evolve. I wrote a book in 2014. It's called Lost and Found. And I wanted to call this Lost and Found because I feel like in order for a woman to evolve, she goes through this process of being lost and found like over and over again in different ways, in different scenarios, you know, finding ourselves in love, finding ourselves in purpose, and then maybe getting lost again in those areas and finding ourselves again. But your presentation is so powerful and it is such it like takes the air out of the room and I think it's inspiring there's a light in you that ultimately makes us want to say like I wonder what that light is that is down on the inside of me and so I just want to talk about that light I want to talk about your journey very natural it doesn't I don't have any like formal questions I just want to see how the conversation flows let's do it I'm I'm here I'm here great Okay, so can you tell me, have you always been so eloquent and articulated <laughs> and well put together or were they there, but there was a little ratchet somewhere around there that you had to kind of smooth out the edges? And <laughs> I love how you lean it all into it. Too. <laughs> yes. So here's the deal. Um, just a little bit of the backstory. I'm the oldest of five kids. You got to meet our mom, our amazing awesome mom who just with just sweat and tears said, we're going to stay together and I'm going to help these kids. So I became this other surrogate parent. And I don't know that I was poised or polished. I think it was just, you, you better do this, figure it out, make it happen. But somewhere in me from being a little bitty kid, I loved kind of being up and talking and sharing. I remember as a little bitty kid, you on a prior podcast, I was just listening to you, were talking about the Clark sisters and I remember being at like a church convention or state convocation, and I recited something in front of this whole big audience of people. And I, I just remember being there. And then afterwards, somebody came and said, oh, you did so good. And they gave me like a quarter. And I'm like, oh, I'm rich. I am straight rich <laughs> now because of this. And it felt really good, not just because people were looking at me and eyes were on me. It was, I, I just, I was comfortable. I, I felt good. And I, I just. There was something about being able, and I see it now, for it being years ago, I see it now. So I think that was the catalyst for some things. I was always the one who wanted to get up and give the recitations. And when it was time to review the Sunday school class, I had my hand up to do it. And then I got older. I was in college. I was working at American Express. And they'd say, okay, give us an update on your particular project. I'd do a full-blown presentation. I have my PowerPoint, my flip chart. And they'd say, it doesn't take all that. And I get frustrated because inside I felt like it did mm. to put my best self forward. I needed to bring all of that. And I, I, I kept doing it and I get, you know, slammed and I didn't care. I kind of keep going forward. And then I learned the power of my voice, literally being able to lower my voice or either raise it or speak really fast or slow. And that would have people really leaning in and listening. And, and that did something for me. So I think it's been through development. I think it's been through opportunities. I think it's been through uh, the course of being forced into things. 
got to tell you this. My ninth grade English teacher, well, two little stories. My seventh grade homeroom teacher, her name was Lorraine LaWall. She was married to a mathematician. He was professor at the University of Minnesota. And Mrs. LaWall um, just is, is down home, um, Southern, and, uh, and, and just relaxed as you could be in class. So she'd smack her gum and she'd y'all sit down. And I thought, she's, she's my homeroom teacher. Something's wrong here. But when it was necessary, she flipped the switch and she became so eloquent. Mm. She would articulate amazing words that I had never heard. And it became a goal of mine. I want to be like her. I want to be able to go from being very relaxed and casual and, and using jargon and, and colloquialisms to just turning on the language. And that became a goal. Then my ninth grade English teacher, she at one time asked me to learn this um, monologue. And she said, you're going to do this for the Black History program. And I was scared to death that it was Miss Hunter and I wanted to do it and I wanted to make her proud. So I learned this monologue and it became something I did in a Miss Black Minnesota pageant. That's for another conversation one day. <laughs> no, it's for this one. No, it's definitely for this one. Don't you even try it. <laughs> Just wanted to slide that to let the people know. <laughs> I, I did that monologue for my talent. I did not win. Girl in Battle won that year. and She was amazing. She sung. But that was this me being pushed into something. And I tell you what, I know, I know today that Miss Hunter saw something in me and she helped to cultivate that. And, and that's what pushed me. And I, I never looked back after that, after I put things together. So long answer to your questions, but I think it's through development. I think it's through exposure. I think through opportunities, I think being forced into some things and then kind of settling with it. I, I just did and said, this is me. God, this is a gift. And mm-hmm. I embraced it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How long did it take you to sell? Because, okay, so I, you know, they make me speak a lot. That's like part of what I do these it's days. Fabulous. You yes, know, but amazing. I still get so nervous. Even mm-hmm. now, you know, we're preaching in rooms where they're empty, right? So I thought I was nervous because people were there. And now I realize I'm just nervous because <laughs> now that we're in the empty room, I'm like, I still feel some level of nerves and I don't know how to explain it. But I think uh-huh. to your point, like, there are some things that I have to remind myself when speaking, like pace yourself, don't rush through it, bring the room to you, don't go to where you think the room wants you to be. So I have to coach myself through that. But I am also like on this, you know, bridge of coaching myself and then like also settling into it because I do believe that I am most effective in my purpose when speaking. So it's not like something I'm just not going to do. But what do you do when you have this gift that everyone Everyone can see, but that gift makes you feel maybe anxiety or nerves or even unqualified or inadequate when it's time for you to present it to the world. Mm-hmm. That that I so appreciate and respect what you're saying. And I have to say this, and I'm not saying it because Ron, it is so true. You you are awesome. You're gifted. You and and the way that you deliver, it is so natural and. Um, that's why so many people resonate with you and connect to you. So I applaud you and, and I thank you for that. I receive from you and so many others do. So keep on doing what you do. You. Um, it blesses us. And so even though there might be that anxiety there, I learned an important lesson. Part of my journey is I worked for American Express. So grew up in this household. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot. And uh, welfare, food stamps, the, the whole bit. And that's no sad song. That's just where life was for us. Um, went to college, was able to get into American Express, 
um, didn't know anything and learned a lot from people who were really willing to pour into me. And that was a great thing. I was in positions where I'd need to, again, speak and give presentations. Uh, one of my roles was a wholesaler. And I went out and marketed our investment products to our field force. And so I was called in to be on this panel of speakers. It was down in Dallas, actually. And so I knew the markets. I understand investments. I have a Series 7, 63, 65 securities licenses. And I knew everything. And I was a, a corporate spokesperson for our firm. So I had been on CNN and lots of other media outlets. And I knew this stuff. Here's where I'm going. I'm on the panel. The um, host asked this first question, and he passes the mic to me, and I froze. I, I literally did not know what to say. So I'm looking at a sea of faces, 300, 400 people in the room, and I just froze. Couldn't even come up with what I was to say. And the guy next to me, whoever he is, I am indebted to him forever. He took the mic and he said, I think what Charlotte's trying to say is X, Y, Z. Now, he was from a competitive firm, competitive firm, and he could have just thrown me under the bus the bus, but he did not. And he really, really saved me. And and so what happened there wasn't just I froze up because I couldn't reach back and grab anything. When I analyzed it all, Sarah, what had happened is I had rested on my laurels. And mm -hmm. when I coach people now around speaking and presenting, I say, respect the butterflies, respect when the anxiety mm -hmm. pops in, respect when the nervousness is there, because what it does is it keeps you grounded. It keeps you humble. It keeps you doing the things like smelling the roses and blowing out the candles, whatever it is you need to do. And it, it keeps you appreciating that this might be very natural for you or it's something you still need to work at. And there are so many people who wish, who pray for, who desire that ability to be able to deliver with ease or to work through the nerves. So I say if the anxiety is there, not a problem, respect it. And I get nervous now when I don't get butterflies, oh, when wow. I'm not a little anxious. And that is straight up. So I coach people, don't get up and just blow it off. Take the time. Do what you need to do to prepare. Because those things will come up where your brain just goes empty. And so you want to be able to rely on those tools and, and tricks and techniques that you can. But I, I believe firmly that was me just, I don't need to prepare. I just, I just got off a plane. I just got interviewed by the Wall Street Journal. So let me just roll in here. Taught me a good lesson that day. Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. And so I was able to redeem myself. The mic came back my way. I was able to share some insights about the market and talk and talk intelligently. And I thought people would just laugh at me afterward, but nobody did. I had questions. Yeah. It was it was good, but it was a key learning. And I have never, ever, ever after that. I prepare, I stop, I ground myself, even if it's just seconds before I proceed in speaking. So respect, just embrace. That's a part of it. And that just keeps you grounded and keeps you going forward and being amazing. That helps that you just, if you didn't say anything else, that really helped me. I appreciate Aww. that so much. Mm -hmm. Do you think because like you are so eloquent and you are so poised and you present yourself with such strength that it's challenging for people to also see you like as a vulnerable person with feelings and emotions? I, I ask that because I see so many women 
I think honestly, particularly women of color or maybe women who are, are mostly in corporate environments who have had to really, you know, nurture and grow so that they can be in these different environments where they don't necessarily wear their emotions on their sleeve so that they can navigate the different cultures and nuances of where they are. But then again, when they come home to really have a safe space where they can share that vulnerability and to say, ouch, and to not be held to this, you know, standard, I guess, is the good word 24 7 you you are hitting on something that's so critical it it can be the case i think for women and men but we're girls talking here so focusing on on our community we we can achieve so much success in corporate or whether it's in the faith-based world or nonprofits wherever that might be and we're, we're not putting up a facade i mean this has been a goal or a dream for me that I could progress in a corporate setting, that I could be a blessing to our family, that I I was able to do some things and maybe help my siblings be able to go forward and and get where they are. And and then when you get there, others can perceive like, oh man, she's all perfect. She's got it all together. When in fact, that's not the case at all. And, And so I think it's incumbent upon me and it's incumbent upon each woman who may feel that way that, oh, do people perceive me in such a way? to make sure that we're being vulnerable. I love when you talk about just being real and, and being authentic and doing things that are, are real um, for yourself. And, and these are my words, not being fake. So for me, it's important to have in my circle, in my community, people that I, I don't have to put on with. And the people who call me out and say, girl, stop, really? It's an old school term, but girl, you slip hanging. I have another friend. <laughs> we don't even wear slips anymore. My daughter goes, a slip? What A slip? What is a slip? That is hilarious. <laughs> My mother asked me about a slip a couple weeks ago. I was like, sis, we don't wear, we don't even know what you're talking about. When you spanks, spanks, yes. Slips, no. <laughs> a slip? Nobody knows what a slip. So when I throw that on a friend, or I've got a friend who says to me, your slip is hanging. Okay. And and not just to call me out, but the ones who are day in, day out, that vulnerability when things are ugly. Yeah. Um, when life is raggedy. Yeah. When I'm being ratchet or life has been handing me some ratchetness, they're the ones who will say, girl, I'm with you. And I don't know how to fix that. I don't know how to change it. So we're just going to cry together. We're just going to just gonna move through it. <laughs> this is me being real transparent. Okay, I've been married for a minute, and been some time during marriage. And one friend told me, "Girl, what we doing today? We packing? We paint? <laughs> Let us know." She <laughs> said, "What we doing? I'm good either way. What we doing?" And so I need to. So what I would say in response to that is, others may perceive me in a way, and and I want to be professional. I also want to be approachable. I never want to be that person that I cannot be touched. That ah oh, man, I can't talk to someone and not just take a minute because I'm so busy, but just be real because at the end of the day, eyelashes off, fingernails gone because I've been, you know, Mm -hmm. locked down, whatever it is, we're all people and we all just want a little bit of attention, a little bit of support. So it is my desire to really be that for another sister or two or three and just let them be real with me Um, and, and that place where it's safe and there's no judgment behind it. That's, that's beyond anything. Nobody's going to judge me or say, oh, you're not safe. I thought you was really, or I thought this. Mm-mm. So it's, it's, we have to bring that transparency as well. I love that because you're basically saying that we have a responsibility to make sure that we are showing that vulnerability. And I think a lot of times we are so 
um, fed off the fact that people think we have it all together, that our pride and ego is stroked by this notion of she's the good one. She's the one that graduated. She's the one that doesn't ask anyone for money. Like we live in this role and box of how people see us, that we have a responsibility if we want to have connection, if we want to have genuine relationships to make sure that we are creating space for people to serve us in the way that we need to be served from moment to moment. Can you tell me, like, do you have a first time where you really made a decision to be vulnerable, made a decision to let people in. Like I could keep this to myself. I could stay shut down or locked down, but I am refusing to live within that realm of my maybe pride or ego in choosing to show someone my scars. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think if there was maybe one main pivot time where that happened and, and nothing's coming to mind, but I, I know that to be the case with, I'll, I'll share this piece. Um, our daughter, so thankful, only child, she's 21, soon to be a senior in college. And she is the child that when when people say, you know, for this child, I prayed, or you see that written on a yeah. little card. I mean, for real, that's how it was. Um, my husband and I have been married for a long time, eight-year journey trying to conceive and did everything you could do. And it, and it just didn't happen. And I remember being in church and praying, God. You know, and, and you know how the, somebody's going forth and, and you're going, can I get a word? <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> hey, hey, God, if you're moving, me, me please. <laughs> yeah. and, and you're like, they got to see me. They got to see this thing that I've got before the Lord, that I've had before the Lord for eight years. And, and I really want to put up my hand and go up and get in the front of the line. Like, for real, can you come down my aisle? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. And I... My husband and I had prayed, and, and but I hadn't gone to anybody and said, here is the thing. Here is the thing. I'm believing God. And 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 maybe I didn't hear God. Maybe maybe it's not supposed to happen for me. Mm-hmm. And I remember sharing that with a friend, and that was so vulnerable. And, and the peace, not just we're trying and we want to have a baby. It was, did I not hear God? Yeah. Um, and, and this has me second-guessing everything that I've known about being saved and supposed to be strong and all these things. And, and so that level of like, let, let the, the guards down and pull back and say, I'm about to let you in on this right here, all up in me is saying, I, I, maybe I didn't hear God on this. And I remember the friends saying, they took me right back. But what did you say? God said, God said, he's going to bless me with a, with a child. Mm. Okay. Then we're going to hold on to that. And, and so I love that the person, the friend didn't, like, a, or just jump right in with me and go, okay, so we're not going to believe for that anymore. Right, right. <laughs> they didn't do that because I think that gets easy to do. Just, okay, we go in there, but just took me right back to what did you say you heard? And it might have been a long time ago and it might have been faint. What did you say you heard? So let's keep going with that. And, and even after that, there was still a couple of years. And then we were able to conceive and, and had her. And, and that's a whole interesting story five embryos put back and only um, the way that it went, they put five embryos back because we went through that process of IVF. And, and then I started spotting and I just thought, this, this can't mm. be called the doctor. And they said, well, get in the bed. <laughs> the bed rest <laughs> answer. <laughs> How come bed rest the answer for everything? And I'm not trying to minimize anything, mm. but I was so frustrated. What do you mean get in the bed? Just get in the bed. Stay there for a week, call us back. Frustrated. And, and I was hemorrhaging in a way that... Um, 
there wasn't just spotting. And I just thought this can't be anything. I cried for five solid days, day and night. Finally, after a week, they said, come in, take a pregnancy test. And I did. And they started calling a few days later. I would not answer. I did not want to hear one more time that you're not pregnant. And so, Sarah, I finally answered. This was pre-caller ID days and did answer. And the nurse starts yelling, like, why haven't you answered this? Why haven't you called back? And I said, I didn't want to hear it one more time. She said, you're pregnant. You're pregnant. We've been trying to reach you. And I thought, but how could I be? Because I've been on bed rest and I have been, what's been going on with my body? Get into the doctor and I said, how could this be? He said, your body only wanted that one embryo. It didn't want the other four. It didn't want the other four. And so I, I come full circle with that because this piece about vulnerability, like I said, it was still two years after having that conversation with the friend where I said, I think I miss God. I think this isn't supposed to be my path. And that was, that was the biggest, like, um, I'm letting the sheets down. I'm really letting you in on some stuff because this has me so twisted. I'm, I'm, I'm rethinking everything I've ever known about salvation and God and hearing and all those things. And if she hadn't said, what did you say he said? Well, he said, he said okay, then we're going to go with that. Let's just go with that. Well, then that was it. And then God did that thing. So, yeah. That's so... To think to yourself, maybe I didn't hear God and to be honest enough to say that that's how I'm feeling. Like when everyone else maybe thinks I have a posture of faith, my faith is beginning to make me believe that maybe I didn't hear God. I think that that is going to help so many people because I think we start to question whether or not we heard God. And then we think that it's this betrayal of our faith. But do you think in that moment Mm -hmm. that it actually made your faith stronger because you were able to be honest about where you were? I think God wants to meet us where we are at any given moment. Now, I don't think he's going to leave us where he meets us. I think he's going to take us back to where we need to be. But there is something to being able to say, you know, it hasn't happened in the time frame that I thought it would. I thought by now I would be here X, Y, and Z. And now I'm starting to question whether I heard him. What did it do for you to be able to finally vocalize that fear that was living mm-hmm. within your mind? Mm-hmm. So when we're able to vocalize fear, whether it was on that level or, or many others, certainly since then, it, it certainly did lift this. I think this thing I was carrying around, Sarah, where it was like, I've got to hold it all in. I'm the one who said, God said this. And so I've got to hold the line. And it, it was maybe unnecessary extra pressure or weight that I had placed on myself. Um, and, and so it was liberating. And, and I didn't get it until much, much later that, that maybe that was uh, an act of faith by me sharing what I was really feeling. And it didn't mean I was in, in a backslidden state or that I didn't love God. I, I was just being real about the situation. And I'm so thankful, you know, again, thinking about relationships and, and the people that we have connected to us, that that was not an instance where somebody beat me over the head or tried to slap some extra Bible verses in my face. Yeah. did not do that. And so... I'm so eternally grateful for that because I think that's the fuel that helped me continue to go forward uh, because there were many steps. I had a couple surgeries in there because we went through all these procedures and it was laborious and taxing and heavy. And um, I'm so grateful for it. So I think it was liberating for sure. I didn't see it then as a faith move. Afterward, I was able to see it as that. And so, so appreciative of the friend who 
supported me and like held my back up, you know, you know how a young man that does that in, in yeah, her segment yeah, where yeah. she's behind the person, <laughs> just lean on me, I got you. <laughs> Go on and say what you need to say. I think that was, she was being my young at the time, like I got your back. And yeah. uh, that, that just, that helped me, helped us to be able to endure for those couple of years until it did happen. So an eight year journey and I'm just so grateful. And so every time I look at her and people will ask, is that your only daughter? It's like, can you tell? Like, yeah, we <laughs> but I look at her and I just get full because for real, for real, if he never does another thing that he did that, it, it just makes me say, okay, God, I can run on. It's all fine. Run on. See what the end's going to be. I can run on because I look at her and I see that he is faithful because she's here. And like the doctor said, your body only wanted that one embryo, yeah. not the other. And then the crazy about it, we had some other embryos that were frozen. After that, couldn't find the doctor. Oh, geez. I don't know. I don't know real left town, some all kinds of things. So the other little embryos, I said, God, I think this was just the only that you had intended for us. So I embraced all of that. Yeah. You know, I was thinking of, I'm not sure if you know Dr. Anita Phillips, but she's such an incredible voice. And she has a podcast that's launched and she was doing an interview with her mom and she talks about the mental health issue that her sister had and what that was like being raised in the household. Mm -hmm. And she said, her mother said during the interview that she prayed and she prayed to God that she would be delivered from this mental health issue, that he would change it and that he never answered her and how Mm -hmm. she still didn't allow that to change her relationship with God, even though he didn't answer her. And as you were speaking, Speaking, I was just thinking about the fact that you have this one thing with your daughter where you said if he never did anything else because he did this one thing, I can trust him and I know that he's real and I know that he's with me. I think and I'm just like working this out as I'm talking to you uh, because I was like trying to find all of these stories in the Bible because most of them end in victory. We never have stories that end in dead end where God doesn't do, you know, what we thought he should do in that moment. Maybe it's delayed, but Lazarus is eventually raised from the dead. And so I was looking for these dead ends and I was looking at David's life and how his child with Bathsheba died and how God didn't answer him and he was weeping and praying and then God didn't answer him. But then he just got back up as if nothing could happen. And just as you're speaking, I realized that David had that one thing that God had already taken him from tending to the sheep into the castle. He had this one thing. I think our goal as believers is to have that one thing that we know, God, if you didn't do anything else, Sure, there's certainly things that I hope that you'll bless and things that I hope that you'll touch. But if you only did this one thing, Father, I can live in the gratitude of this one thing for the rest of my life. The rest of my life. That's so good. You just preached a whole <laughs> Well, you just helped me. Situation around. No, you helping me. And and so so great that you're talking about David in my daily devotions and in First Chronicles. I love the first five after Proverbs 20, 31 women. And We've been talking about David. There was this uh, one chapter, David wanted to build the temple and prayed. And, you know, it was like, I'm going to start building this temple. And the Lord said, no, you're not going to be able to build the temple, your son, Solomon. And I was thinking, now, what's this lesson really going to be about here? And the whole big takeaway was David didn't get in a funk. David didn't, oh, man, I'm ready to build this temple for you, Lord. I got this and I can do this. He was like, okay. And and his part of it was all the preparation so that Solomon could go on and build. But this posture of 
God, you've allowed me to do so much. You've blessed me in so many areas. So if there is something that does not come to pass, if there is something that you do not allow, if there's no closure the way that I think it should be, you're yet great, you're yet mighty, and, and I'm going to praise you and I'm going to worship you and I'm going to do the part that I have uh, to do to, to continue to build the kingdom and to bless you and to make sure that the road that's, uh, that I'm to prepare for those coming before me or behind me is actually laid out. So when you said, David, that made me think of that lesson. So maybe not the closure David had yeah. desired there, but it was going to come through him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was still to do a great work in that building of the temple. So yeah, David, I love David. I feel like the work you're doing is building so many voices, taking women who know they have a gift and a passion, you know, but don't know how to fully express it or don't trust their vocabulary or their presentation in a way that would allow them to express it. And yet you're giving them tools and resources so that they're able to do that so that them coming up behind you at American Express or wherever, you know, are going to have someone who they know has gone through it, maybe a similar journey and rose to the occasion so that they can show up. The work that you're doing with advocating for people's voices is so important. I know there's someone listening who's like, you know, I want to know how to get myself ready for public speaking. I want to do, I want to share my story. I want to share my testimony. What, what do you think is like, I know that you've got tons of coaching, so there's so many things that you could say in this time, but what do you think are some of the fundamentals for people who feel like I really want to take this gift and display it to the world? Mm-hmm. I think there are many, many things for us to consider. One is, and it's something I've struggled with over time, and maybe you can relate to this, it's getting clarity about what it is you do want to say. Mm. So if there's someone who's, who's engaged right now and you're saying, yes, that's me, um, what, what do you want to say? What do you want to talk about? Um, and it could be a lot of things, but pick maybe one thing that, that you're really passionate about and you you are clear about that. So get some clarity on that. I also too really am a believer. Get if if you know that you can do some improving in your delivery, you need that improvement, then go get that support. Do what you need to do so you can be a better presenter. And some folks say, Well, I don't know, how can I do that? Well, every opportunity you get, start where you are. My sister Ivy always talks about tapping into the low hanging fruit. So you leverage what is around you. And I would say to that person, so your place of worship are you up and teaching? Are you being involved in places where you can speak and communicate and share? Uh, that doesn't mean you have to run a whole ministry or have a title. Are you doing that in children's church? Are you on some committees or boards or groups or whatever they look like where you worship, where you volunteer at your children's school in your community? So where are the places that right now you can tap into where you can share? Leverage all those, max those out, because what it does is it uh, creates opportunities for you to get better, to hone your craft, to refine your message, and for people to hear you and to know you. So max those things out. And um, at where you work, oh my gosh, there are many times, I'll call them affinity groups. So it could be the, uh, the group for folks over 40, or the African American group, or the Latina group, or whatever it might be. Connect with those organizations as well. Get involved in in the leadership or programming there and make presentations, share, uh, learn that core content and and share that. And you can certainly tap in sharing your own. So so my biggest message, Sarah, is for anybody who wants to leverage their voice to strengthen that, build that, create something, 
be wherever you are right now. Leverage every one of those. When I'm coaching someone and they say, oh, I want to do this and that, and I ask them, so where are you sharing this thing now? And they go, well, and I say, see, that's the problem because you want to move way forward. And I'm not saying you shouldn't or you can't, but use where you are right now to practice and refine and to get the bugs out. Uh, because when it's time to, so for yourself, when you're when you're preaching on Sunday or, or through the week, and, and it's to thousands, hundreds of thousands across the globe, that's not the time to start getting it together. Right. You've, you've done a lot of that behind the scenes. So it's all that work that people don't see that you and Pastor Torrey have put in. Um, the things where maybe there were glitches that they didn't see, but you kept on and you kept on even when there was anxiety. And you kept on and you learned and you refined. Um, that's what I'm talking about. So it's doing that work behind the scenes, leveraging where you are, tap into the low hanging fruit, wherever you can talk and speak, use it as an opportunity. Don't make them beg you either. <laughs> <laughs> right. Please, please, please. Oh, Especially when you know it's what you want to do. I cannot tell you how many times we've counseled people who say, I want to speak, I want to minister. And then you throw them the microphone and they're like, no, I don't want to do it. You just told me that this is what you want to do. They want you to be <laughs> only laughing. You know, it's like that joke. Hold me back. Hold me back. Right. <laughs> if you don't get up here and then when you don't get the opportunity, then they're mad. Right. So, and, and be ready. So you've got to be priming the pump in those places that are not forward facing. So when you toss the mic or somebody calls, this happened to me once a speaker uh, was supposed to come in and speak at this conference. And literally the night before the guy like bowed out. And blew, blew them off and, and got a call from the organizer. She's like, Charlotte, we need you. Not a problem. That's, that's what I do. Um, but I couldn't be getting ready to get ready. Right. I needed to be ready because it was, she called me at midnight. And this was like a, a morning talk. Not a problem. I just rolled on downtown and collected that check. And we had a green time. So um, being ready by, by priming the pump, doing the work now and do the work in the Spaces and places where you're already looped in and connected, that's going to be an easy connection. Those people know you. They're connected to you. Uh, they want to support you. So leverage those. Hmm. Yep. There's Okay, something else I want to ask you, and I don't know if I'm going to ask it the right way, so just bear with me. But I feel like okay. every industry, every sector has a certain culture to their language, right? So how I can speak to you here versus maybe how you would speak at American Express may be different. I don't know if you've ever seen like a preacher in a business meeting preaching to the business people when they have <laughs> a different l culture of language there. I think one of the greatest... Um, deterrence maybe that I've seen for us inviting some people who are gifted in one arena into another arena is that they aren't sensitive enough to know how to mold their, you know, um, language presentation to fit the room that they are in. And I'm just imagining that there's someone listening now who maybe is used to speaking in church, but wants to go into the bank and wants to be able to say more than, well, you know, I'm blessed and highly favored and God is going to bless this alone, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that, but to also be able to know what you need to know about the interest rates and the length of the terms, like how do we learn different languages that we've never been exposed to? Yeah. So what comes to mind to me is that whole, you know, there's the natural and the spiritual. Sure. So I'm just going to be real straight and, and just say, because I, I was the vice president of investment strategies at American Express, which is now Ameriprise Financial. And so would hire folks and uh, let some people go and really, really, really try to coach some people. And 
And being able to flip the switch to be in the environment is so, so, so critical. It is fine. You and I can kick it backstage with Michelle Obama and your family and my family and Yiki. But when it comes time to have a dialogue, we need to be able to do that. That doesn't make us fake. That just makes us flexible Mm. and adaptable. And that's what is so critical. So you're right. Learning the culture. Where am I? If it's corporate, I need to speak, talk differently. And um, if I'm in church, what's that culture? If I'm at my my daughter's school, um, a community event, what is the vibe? And how do I need to be able to talk? So what I've learned is the people who are unable to really flip and adapt and switch they're maybe more rigid than they had thought. And my coaching is, it's okay, let your guard down, be who you are, and be comfortable and, and be yourself. But if yourself is only kind of that one tone or that one bit of language, um, then we need to work on that because that doesn't endear you to people. And, and you know this, Sarah, we have seconds to make a first impression. For sure. First impressions are lasting, and there may not be another chance. There may not be another opportunity to get up and make a pitch or present something. It's like Shark Tank. I mean, they get that time, that one time, and those sharks are either I'm in, I'm out. You get that chance, so it's got to be impactful. So doing the research, knowing where you're going in to talk, to present, to share, and um, if, if you, you can't find too much out, there's so many sources online, LinkedIn and Googling and all those things. You got to find somebody on the inside to get a sense of that. But just know if it's corporate, probably my church language. <laughs> they may not understand it. And we don't want there to be any barrier to you being effective in that capacity. So we're going to exactly. ask for you to not speak in tongues <laughs> before giving your presentation about your business. Do tongues after in the car when God has already gone ahead of you. Amen. Amen. Before in the car and then after. Hey. But come in there like a boss and, and talk to the people. And that's, that's what's so necessary. That, that would be a big, big, big barrier when I was interviewing people. There were the people who just had all the right language, and it's like, I see through that. And then the people who were just really rough around the edges, but they were sincere. And I, I was a firm believer, I'm going to hire on gut, and not, not my gut necessarily, but I'm going to hire on hungry. Hire not just because you've got the ex, ex, uh, education. I'm looking for the person who's got the heart and who's mm. hungry. I can train you. I can teach you. And I call it skill and will. So going in and and quickly adapting. What do I need to be saying? But if I'm going in with kind of my church hat and church mentality, it's going to be a problem. So be, be nimble. Be flexible is what I'm saying. Be able to adapt and show us show us all sides of you. That, that's who's really intriguing to me. A person who can morph and be whatever the setting needs to be. That's nothing fake about that. That is the extreme of ultimate of flexibility and adaptability in my mind. And Jesus was flexible. That's why he was able to travel throughout and speak the language of where he was from the Samaritan woman to the people in Judea. Like he was able to go everywhere because of that language. Okay. So someone's listening. They're like, listen, I need her to help me get my life. I got places to go. I need to become somebody, but my language is raggedy or I'm not (laughs) sure that I'm going to be able to uh, present myself in a way that is a reflection of this gift that God has given me. How do we find you? How do we connect? Okay, so charlottestallings.com, you Google me, and I'll pop up, Charlotte 
stallings.com. I'm on social media. You'll find me on Instagram, uh, Facebook. I'm, I'm pretty much everywhere. But Charlotte Stallings, you hit me up. I will help you. I, I am committed, not to, just during this time of the coronavirus, but, but that is a real passion of mine. People poured into me. People took time with me. People sat and had a coffee with me to let me pick their brains. And who am I to say, and I can't do that. I can't give that back. Plus, I have a daughter, and I, I need people. This is all about the community yeah. and the village of people who can pour into her over her life. And so if you reach out, I will help you. I will support you. And um, and, and I'll give you some, some coaching. I'll, I'll give you some items to work on and do. And my expectation is that, that you do those things, that you're a good listener and that you're a good doer. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, because so, there's nothing. Hit me, I'll help you. Yeah, that's great uh, to honor your time and your investment, which I know anyone who reaches out will do that. I know uh, coronavirus is trying to hate on me having my conference in July. I am binding every devil every time I turn I'm around. Them with you. <laughs> I'm binding them with you. I cannot believe. wait for you to be in Denver. I cannot wait for uh-huh. our women to be able to connect with you. And by hook uh-huh. or by crook, I'm going to make sure that they are impacted by your gift. Thank you for this time together. You're so welcome. Thank you. I Thank love you, you so much. With me. And I love you and I appreciate you. And I kiki on your on your podcast. I've been cutting <laughs> up. <laughs> edges. I was like, what are we talking about the edges? When yeah. you said you listened to my podcast, I was like, oh, goodness. That is not the best presentation <laughs> for what I want this to be. I'm trying to get my no. Oprah on, not my Cardi B. <laughs> that's, that's what I love. And so that's what we were talking about, that flexibility and adaptability. Those are all facts. You and that's what makes you you, and that's what makes you endearing to all of us. So, thank you. Keep doing that, keep being that. You're modeling it well for us. Thank you. Love you. Thank you. Love you too. Bye. Be well. Be blessed. Tell everybody hi. I will. Child, I tried to tell you that that was going to knock your wig off. Get your wig off the floor, girl, and make sure that you are growing and becoming everything that God has called you to be. It's my prayer that as we continue to meet with these women and connect with these gentlemen who are going to be joining the podcast, that it would highlight and water what God has placed down on the inside of you, that you would grow and evolve and become better, and that you would recognize those moments where you were maybe like Charlotte and felt to yourself, I wonder if I heard God wrong. It's a part of the process for you to become everything that he's called you to be. I don't know about you, but that one thing really blessed me. I think I might preach that. I think I'm going to preach that thing. See you guys next week.